Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a joy to be with you at Recalibrate 2023. I am truly grateful for the opportunity to spend this moment with you on this uh, retreat and this separation, time of separation that you all are having at the uh, Hope Nation, Fountain of Life Hope Nation. Um, I'm excited. Last year was phenomenal. I had the privilege of listening to a few testimonies from last year and it was really encouraging. And I just pray that this year's retreat will be uh, a massive blessing to each and every one of you. Allow me to take a moment to appreciate and to love on your pastors, Pastor Elimide and Pastor Emisi Uwilabi for their labor in the kingdom and most importantly, uh, their commitment to personal development and growing themselves as well as growing everyone that is around them, which includes you. I love this couple so dearly, their family too. My wife and I and my entire family and our global ministry and I just love doing life and ministry with them. So, uh, energies, I am really grateful. Thank you, women of God. Thank you, men of God, for having me be a part of this lineup of speakers that would uh, share at this retreat. And I pray that the Lord God Almighty will meet each and every one of us at the point of our needs. I bring greetings from the beautiful sunshine state of Arizona here in the United States of America. It's a beautiful weather. The sun is coming down already, but it's still very bright right here in summer in Arizona. And I have with me in the studio today my own very personal person, you know, Sam Ishelia. Uh, some of you might know him uh, or, or not, but it's very dear to me and we're here in the studio together recording this message and we are really trusting the Lord that this message will, uh, will, will strike a chord, will hit a nerve um, that is, that is um, um, what's the word now, that is crucial for this time and in this season in your ministry in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am super grateful for the privilege you've afforded me to be part of the uh, Fountain of Life Oak Nation uh, 2023 Recalibrate Retreat. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus this brief moment that I will be spending sharing this word across this uh, platform. I pray in the name of Jesus that the word that you have given to me, Lord, will be meaningful and will be strategic, not only in establishing this church, but in moving this ministry forward and positioning them where, Lord, all that you have said concerning this ministry can begin to find even greater expression in the precious name of Jesus. I ask that you use this ordinary clay to communicate divine truth and spiritual wisdom. I pray that at the end of it all, let our lives not remain the same and let your name alone be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Somebody shout a big amen if you believe it. Amen. All right, let us go into the word of the Lord. I want to briefly speak into you. Uh, when I mean into you, I do not mean you as individuals. Of course, what I'm going to be sharing will, of course, find a place uh, for each and every one of us. But I feel very strongly like to speak to the Hope Nation, the Fountain of Life Hope Nation as a 
church as a collective unit because I believe God has set up this ministry for uh, an amazing task that we are already fulfilling. But what lies ahead of you is even much greater, especially because I see transition. I see transition. And you see, one of the things I've learned in my life, I have had many transitions in my life. Currently, I'm navigating another transition. But one of the things I've learned in the series of transitions that I have is that the point of transition is a very vulnerable point. And if you are not wise in navigating that junction, uh, the things that God is intending to do with that transition will completely be in that. And I see transitions. I see several transitions at different levels. Some, you know what, I, I will be sharing what I see you know, concerning the open nation. Some are not at liberty by the Spirit to share because um, um, it's not yet time. But again, I see transitions. And that moment of transition, what I'm speaking into, uh, what I'm about to share with you is going to serve you know what, as a means to help navigate the series of transition that I see uh, coming for your ministry and coming for this spiritual family whom I love. I follow you guys on Instagram and I'm telling you I can't wait to be in the Hope Nation, Lagos, Nigeria. Okay? So, um, let us look at Luke 21. Let us remind ourselves of some very important you know, things that we need to pay attention to in this particular season and in this particular time in God's agenda for his global church. Okay? Luke 21, 8 to 13. Luke 21, 8 to 13. This is Jesus speaking. Okay? And Jesus said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdom, And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sight and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons. You will be brought before the kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion of testimony. I want to point your attention here to verse 10. It says, Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Jesus here is preparing us. Not only was he speaking to his disciples, but I believe he's speaking to the body of Christ. The Christians that will become the fruits of the seed that the disciples and the apostles have sown. And we are part of the fruit of those seeds that have been sown. And what Jesus spoke to them was not just about what was going to happen at their own time, but also at our own time, which is talking about the end time. And this is why he says the end will not come until these things happen, which means Jesus is addressing the activities and the events that would lead to the end times, that would lead to his return, that would lead to the closure for all that we have been talking about and we've been doing as Christians and believers and, and pushing the kingdom forward, advancing the kingdom forward. Jesus is addressing the matters of the times that we are living in. 
And if you look around you today, you don't even look, need to look far. The news is reporting. There are wars going on everywhere. I mean, we are just, we just, you know, seeing what is going on in Ukraine and, 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 and Russia. It's still very much going on. We see what is going on in, in Gaza. We see what is going on in Israel with ISIS and all of that. So several places, several places are, you know, are going through wars and commotion and, and earthquakes. We've seen, you know, what natural disasters, you know, were back to back in the last five years. These are the fulfillment of what Jesus spoke. And one of the things that I see here is the level of, 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 um, of separation and disunity that we're going to be seeing. He says, war nations will come against nation. And I want you to understand that these are, are signs of the end times that are not only going to affect nation, but because it will be the, the pestilences and the perilous you know, activities of the end time, this will not only operate at national level, it's also going to trickle down at every level, every sphere, every institution on the earth is going to go through uh, these things that Jesus are, is talking about. Some of it will be natural, some of it will be spiritual. There will be spiritual war going on in different places. There will be spiritual disaster going on in different institutions, be it in the political arena, be it in the family arena, be it in the you know, economic arena. All of what Jesus is speaking here will not only take place naturally, but it will also have a spiritual connotation and effect on the things that we are going to be facing. And the Bible says that it is the same way that falls on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So when there are things going on in the land, you know, we thank God for the grace of exemption. However, we are also going to be exposed to all of this situation that is going to be going on on the earth. So this is why we must know how to position ourselves. We must know how to stand strong. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You need to know how to stand when these things begin to happen so that you are not swept along with what is going on in the earth, in the world, okay? So I want to speak to you on the subject on the guarding God's vision. On the guarding God's vision because Jesus spoke to his disciples, preparing them and helping them to stand through this this time. He said they're going to deliver you up to the synagogues. We see that happen in the Acts of the Apostles. They're going to de deliver you up in the prison. We've seen that happen in the Acts of the Apostles. But not only have we seen this happen in the scriptures, we're seeing it all over the world. Even right there where you are in Nigeria, Christians have been persecuted in the northern part of Nigeria. We've never thought anything like we've seen in the world, in the world. Islam against Christianity you know what is ever going to be at this height that we have seen in the last couple of years uh, this is still part of the fulfillment of what Jesus said and it's worse even in Islamic nation what is going on with Christians over there so we see these things and Jesus said this will first happen and it's, it has happened and it is still happening but I want you to take note of verse 10 it says nation will come against nation so we are talking about the level, the height of disunity that is going to be in operation in the end time. And we must be careful because if we look at this at national level, we will allow the enemy to bypass us. Not only currently is nation coming against nation, we are coming against ourselves. The tension between equality right now is so high. 
And this is what we are seeing like never before. We are seeing inequality. We are seeing disunity like never before. The enemy is having a field day turning, our, turning us apart from each other. Tearing down homes. Breaking down communities. Tearing down families. Tearing down the church. Fighting against each other. Rioting against each other. And we don't realize that it is part of the part of the activities of the end time that we need to, through the wisdom of God, navigate this season. Otherwise, we will become a victim and many of us will become casualty of what of the times that we are living in. So how do we undergird the vision? Because I know based on the, 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 the instruction I've received through the invitation, I know we're talking about serving God and the vision of God you know what? How do we undergird the vision that God gives to us as a church? I'm speaking to Oak Mission now. But find yourself, each and every one of you, please do find yourself in this, in this teaching. Because it is crucial what we're going to be talking about. Undergirding God's vision. There are several things we need to understand. There are several things that we need to be equipped with in order to undergird the vision God has given to us. Any mission that you are on that is not revealed to you by God is what your own mission. And God will not be involved in it. I believe as a church, everything we are doing in this ministry is because God gave a man a vision. God detailed his plan and his agenda to a man. And so you are not just gathered around this the name of the church just because it sounds good. It feels good. It is because God has a plan and God has an agenda. And this is why you are part of it. And if you are part of what God is doing here on the earth, you must understand that you have a responsibility to undergird it, to sustain it, to keep it in motion. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Though it will contend against it, but it's not going to prevail against it. And that is because you and I have a role to play. You and I have a responsibility to play. And this is why Jesus said, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. In order to want to undergird this vision that I've given to you to be the church of Jesus on the earth. The events of our time and dispensation as it relates to kingdom agenda and kingdom advancement has never demanded for a united church as this time and dispensation that we currently live in. Look around you today and you will see the height of disunity in the body of Christ. Not just in the body of Christ, even within the local church, within the local assembly. We must, we must, we must not be carried away. This is very crucial, especially at this level where the church is at. Thank God for the years that is behind you. But there are many more years, but you are in a very strategic place right now where we need to hold very tightly what God is doing in this ministry. If you recall in Acts chapter 6, just at the inception of the church, miracles were breaking forth. Everybody was excited. Thousands of people being added to the church. All of a sudden, the enemy stepped in. And what was the first attack on the church? Disunity. Discrimination amongst 
the church. Thank God for the wisdom of the apostles immediately intercepted that. The enemies begin to be, begin to compare themselves with the Jews. And the disciples said, listen, we're not going to deal with this rubbish. We're not going to deal with this mess. We're going to assign men who are going to take responsibility of the administration of food and all of that in, in, in this church. While we are going to give ourselves to prayer and fasting. But it, are they being God that not giving them that wisdom? That is the beginning of the world of the church falling apart. First thing was disunity. Discrimination amongst themselves. And this is what I want to share with you. One of the things that undergirds the vision that God has given to us as his church, as his people, is to ensure the unity of the body. Is to ensure the unity of the church. The transition that is coming to the old nation will require strong unity in this ministry. I am seeing it because the Lord is speaking to me. But if we navigate this transition that I see coming, holding each other together, standing our ground, and working together and refusing the enemy to come and break our ranks, I can assure you that you all will be among the most decorated Christians, most decorated leaders in kingdom advancement and in kingdom history for such a time as this. Please hear me well. Listen very carefully and hear the word of, of, of the Lord. It is very crucial. The times we are in, it is not just nation coming against nation. People are fighting themselves. Marriages are breaking down like never before. Disunity in family, disunity in homes, disunity in church. So this is very crucial. We are failing not because of diabolism. There was a time that there was great diabolism against the church because of the altars of darkness. But it seems as if we have hijacked the consequences. We've hijacked the, 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 the attack of the enemy. We've taken his responsibility. And it's no longer diabolism that is our greatest problem. It is individualism. And this has to stop beginning from our individual houses before we can bring and unite the church together as a whole. There are several reasons for the state of things in the world today, such as greed, corruption, immorality, ignorance, poor leadership, ungodliness. However, the spirit of disunity stands out amongst these other factors that has put our nation, that has put our community in this state that it is right now. And we as a church, we cannot afford to solicit the spirit of disunity. We cannot afford to patronize the spirit of disunity because it's a spirit. Jesus said nations are going to come against nations. There will be war. What begins war? What are the elements of war? Disunity, disagreement. Differences in opinion, differences in views. So amongst all of the factors that has led our nation, that has led us to where we are right now, disunity is one of them. We have not learned how to navigate the leadership of God in its uniqueness, fully following God without disagreeing with one another. 
Because some of us do not even understand the direction of the Spirit. So when God is moving us in one direction, because we are not in tune with what God is doing, this is why Jesus was preparing his disciples. Listen, there's a major transition that is coming. But be aware, if you navigate it successfully, it's going to work out for a testimony for you. But if you do not know how to navigate the transition coming, then you are going to break ranks. You are going to allow the spirit of disunity to come into your midst. And once that is allowed, what does it do? It tears things apart. It corrupts the house. It corrupts the soul. And everywhere, everything else comes to a stop, comes to a halt. So taking this prophetic statement to heart, it is not only morally right for us as a church, as the church of Jesus to pursue unity, but spiritually mandatory for us to operate in unity. If we are going to leverage on the power of God in order to advance the kingdom of God through our lives, through our church, through this ministry. Please pay attention, the word dwell. In Psalm 133, let's read it. Psalm 133. It says, Behold, verse 1, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Amon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing life forevermore. We're still talking about undergathering God's vision through unity. The word dwell in Psalm 133 verse 1 is used, that is used here, is the Hebrew word yashab, which also means to tarry, to wait. Same instruction God, Jesus gave his disciple for the endowment of power from on high. To dwell together, to tarry together, to wait together. Sometimes we don't understand the direction fully. But God is calling us to still stay strong and work together. Jesus did not give them a specific time for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He only just told them to tarry. He only just told them to wait. And here is what the scripture says. It says they waited in with one accord. In one accord, they stayed together, they gathered together, they brought together in one accord, in unity. Nobody was saying, you know what, it's getting too long. Nobody was saying, I'm tired, maybe we should go do something else. This is the problem right now. When God is leading your pastors, when God is leading your pastors in one direction, sometimes we don't see the fruit immediately. Sometimes, you know what, we might even hit a roadblock. Doesn't mean that God is not speaking or God, has, uh, God hasn't spoken. But what do we do as a church? We stand together in unity. Sometimes people are beginning to wonder, oh, it's been four years right now. We've not seen this. We've not seen that. And we begin to whisper. We begin to murmur. And before we know it, the enemy takes advantage. Steps into the church. Steps into the mighty things God is doing. And long before you know it, everything begins to fall apart. Why? Because we opened the door to the spirit of disunity. 
It's a spirit that destroys. It's a spirit that what that brings you know what a ministry or a person a deliver to a standstill to a stagnant point because it grieves the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told them to tarry to dwell together in one accord until they are endued with power. When we don't know. Sometimes we allow the enemy to come in and corrupt our emotions because we want to know everything. The Apostle Paul said the things that God has called us to do, he reveals it in fragments. He said we prophesy, we see in part, and we prophesy in part. This is a man that was in unity with himself, oneness. The word unity is also the word oneness. You must be in oneness with yourself. The Bible says a double-minded person. Sometimes even within ourselves we are disunited. You are not sure exactly when you're in one moment you're on fire, the next moment you're cold. One moment you know what you're for the pastor, the next moment you are not. One moment you believe in the vision, one moment you're doubting in the vision. Like, like, like John the Baptist, having prophesied, having been ordained from heaven, you know what with the purpose to announce the coming of the Messiah. He saw it and declared it, this is the one we have been speaking of. And then came persecution, came a transition in spiritual order, suddenly you know what is doubting if Jesus was the Messiah. That's an unstable person. So not just the unity God is seeking is not just unity corporately as an organization, but also unity within ourselves. To be one with God's purpose. To be one within ourselves. Spirit, soul, and body. This is why Jesus said, you know, when he was answering the question, which is the greatest commandment? Look at all the dimensions of human creation that you must love God by. There's a oneness that must happen. Your mind, your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. There must be a unity within you, a oneness of purpose, a oneness of, of, of God's agenda, an agreement with God's agenda. That come what may, you are standing your ground. That's what the Bible says concerning the army of the end time in Joel chapter 2. It said they would march with unity. Formation means unity. And they will break ranks. But unfortunately today, everybody is breaking ranks. And I don't need to go into all of that. There's not much that needs to be said because it's obvious. Today, sons feel they are better than fathers. Some fathers, you know what, you know what, look less of the new generation that God is raising. It's on both sides. It's on both sides. We must stand our ground and say, not on our watch. When Jesus was leaving, one of the things he prayed passionately because he understood the only thing that can undergird the mission and the vision that I've given to these people is unity. He said, I pray that they may be one with themselves as you and I are one. Unity was what undergirded the mission of Jesus on the earth. The vision that he had. I am my father, we are one. If you see my father, you've seen me. The words of my mouth is my father saying it. We are not different. And that's what the enemy tried to do in Luke chapter 4. Trying to bring this unity between God and Jesus. Said, if you are the son of God, do what God doesn't want you to do. Move away from the vision. And Jesus said, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. Maintaining his ground, undergirding the vision that God is giving to him to come and fulfill you on earth in unity, in unity, in unity. 
And when the time came for Jesus to step out of the scene, again, in unison with the Holy Spirit, he said, listen, I must go. There's another one that must come. My time is up here. You see, this thing has been planned from the beginning. We are united. When we came together to set this agenda, it was I, it was the Father and I and the Holy Spirit. And we are all united in this. No matter what is happening, we cannot break lives. When the time of the Father, the dispensation of the Father was over, the Father sent the Son. When the dispensation of the Son was over, the Son sent the Holy Spirit. Everybody playing their role together, all united. Everybody saying the same thing. Everybody backing each other up. Everybody making reference to one another. Did you realize the Bible says uh, as Jesus was pointing the disciples to the Holy Spirit uh, the Holy Spirit was also revealing Jesus to them uh, while the Father continues to glorify himself in the Son. Uh, the Son pointing us to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealing Jesus more to us and Jesus again pointing us to the Father. What oneness what oneness if we can have this level of unity in our church today if we can have this level of unity in our marriage today, if we can have this sort of ministry, this unity in our synergy and our collaboration as business owners, as people coming together and doing things together, I tell you, we will see the same result God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are seeing today. But the problem is that we are breaking ranks. We enjoy breaking ranks. Everybody wants to be in the spotlight. Everybody wants to be the one to be heard. Everybody's opinion, your opinion must be, is it that your opinion or nothing? Is that your idea or nothing? You give an idea one time that it doesn't fit in into the direction of the church or the ministry or the plan of God and you are already throwing tantrums. What about all the nine ideas that pastor, you know what implemented? Think about it. What about the nine times in the marriage, in the family? What is the level of unity that you are promoting in your business, on that team that you are in, that department that you are? Are you pushing for unity? Or are you also allowing nations within your nation, hope nation, to come against one another? This is very crucial, church. Quickly, let me share three implications Three spiritual implications of unity. I have just 25 minutes to do this. Three implications, spiritual implications of unity. From, a, from Psalm 133. First of all, the first thing that the psalmist identified where there is unity, such like the oil, the oil on the head of Aaron. What does that mean? Specifically, the Bible specifically mentioned the oil of Aaron. They could have just said it's like the oil that flows on us. It's like the oil. There are several references to oil in the Bible, but why specifically the oil of Aaron? Let me remind you of this. Leviticus chapter 8 verse 30. Then Moses took some of the anointed oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garment, on his sons, and on the garments of his son with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garment, his son, and the garment of his son with him. The significance of this is that God chooses and anoints the people he will use among a united people. That is why that oil of Aaron is the oil of consecration. It's the 
all to separate, to set apart for the master's use. It's the word aphorizo. It means to be separated. It means to be set apart. And when that is happening, there's an oil, the oil that is used to set apart. And God is saying that whenever I see unity, I am interested. This is where I recruit from. This is where I raise an army from. This is where I go get my soldiers. Where there is unity, the oil of separation will be present in that place, which means uh, God will separate your church aside uh, as a special people, a holy nation for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And you will be special on the earth. You will be special in the community. You will be special in the city where you are because the oil that sets a man apart for the master's use is already on you where there is unity. God will not come into a dysfunction and tabernacle within that. God wants unity. He wants unity. So, so it's like the oil. It's like the oil. It's like the oil. It's like the oil that flows from the earth of Aaron. What does this mean? This oil mentioned in this passage was also the oil used to consecrate Aaron and his son, not only for ministry, but for leadership. I know you know on this church, on your pastors, there is a leadership mantle that is on their life. It's not just revival. But it's also leadership. And this is what you are seeing, the demands that is on your church. Your church is not just a city church. It's not just a local church. It's just not a national church. This particular nation of the, of the fountain of life is a global church because of the leadership mantle that is on your pastors. But to undergird the vision of this house, Unity is very crucial, especially because of the transition that is coming. It's a good one. It's a, it's a, it's a God-ordained transition. Some of you are going to be transitioned into places that you don't even understand why, but do not argue. Some of you will be moved from departments to different departments. Some of you will be called to step up in leadership and you will think, you know what, um, um, this, 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 is, this, is, this is not right. Some of you will be moved from places you've been comfortable to another place and you will think this is not right. Trust the process. Don't break ranks. Keep the unity of this house. Keep the unity of this center. Your pastors have discussed nothing with me. The Holy Spirit is the only one that has discussed things with me. I'm sharing the things the Holy Spirit is talking to me about. So some of these things may even be surprising to them, but of course they know they know me, so it's not going to be a surprise. And many of you know that I'm telling you because God is already staring a new direction in this house. Very soon you're going to begin to hear things. You're going to begin to see things that the Holy Spirit will begin to lead this house to do. Direction this Holy Spirit will be leading this house to go. Do not break ranks. Do not break ranks, says the Spirit of the Lord. Stand our ground in unity. Undergird this house with unity. Jesus was praying. He saw what was to come. He saw what was to come. He knew that these things was going to be so huge and so big. And he said, Lord, I only pray that they will be one as you and I are one. John chapter 17. And look at what happened. Do you know the moment Barnabas and Paul went their way, we never heard of Barnabas again. 
the next time I heard of Barnabas was when I stood in the very tomb with his skeleton embalmed in Cyprus. I walked down into his tomb and the skeleton where he was embalmed was still there in Cyprus. And I was told the story how he was dropped in a barrel and blood as martyred in the sea. And it was the Baptist Christians of that time that went to look for him. But of course, it was only his remains. And I went into that tomb. This unity is always, the, is always a weapon of the enemy against the church. Let's stand our ground, family. Mm, thank you, Jesus. In other words, every time we find ourselves disunited, we forfeit our opportunity to be used of God or a position of spiritual leadership at optimum capacity because of the power that doesn't flow. There is a difference between togetherliness and unity. Please hear me. Between uniformity and unity. Being together doesn't mean that we are, un we are in unity because uniformity is wearing the same uniform. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about unity. So because we are together doesn't mean that we are united. And that's why it is not always guaranteed that it will be good and pleasant in every gathering, in every church, because there's a gathering. There's a difference between gathering and unity. We can gather and be disunited. We can gather and be in disagreement with one another. This is why the Bible says that when Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem, the Bible says they were in that upper room, you know, where they gathered together in unity, in one accord. So there's a difference between gathering and there's a difference between being in one accord. So they gathered and they were in accord. Some people gather and not in accord. Some people attend churches, but they're not in accord with their, with their leaders. They're not in accord, you know, with the direction God is leading the church. They are not in accord with the song that the world is music, the worship leader is singing, they're sitting there in the church and waving hands, but in their heart they are not in accord. Several things are going on. They are in the building, but they are not in accord with everything that God is doing in that in that ministry. But because you know where you want to belong, because you want have to be there. So you are gathering, but you are not in accord. This is where we miss it. This is where the enemy takes advantage of us. And this is how we distance ourselves from the power of God. Because what they were trying to receive was the power of God through the endowment of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times we are saying, Lord, send your power, send your fire. But we are not in accord to attract the presence of the Holy Spirit. The church is not a school where we all go to school in uniform. So you can dress like your pastor doesn't mean that you are in unity with him or you are in unity in the house. You can walk, you can make your hair style like he, like he does. We can, we can copy ourselves, but that is not a true sign of ministry. You can pray as, like our PR will pray. You can dance like our PR will dance. Doesn't mean that you are in unity. That is not a sign of unity. 
that's just uniformity and that's just us claiming one another. So we want we raise a church of zombies because everybody's moving in one direction. Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's sounding like the same thing. No. Unity is celebrating our diversity. Unity is coming into oneness despite our diversity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one, but they have distinct personality. They have distinct personality. So you need to understand, because someone is your spiritual father, doesn't mean that you lose your identity. Because somebody is your spiritual mother, doesn't mean you lose your identity of praise, your identity of worship. Worship the way you want, that is unique to who you are. Praise the Lord the way he's unique to you. Don't worship, don't claim worship. He said, worship must be done in truth, with integrity. That is what it means. The truth and the integrity of who you are before God. Who you are before God. So don't come to worship, you know, we're trying to look like another worship minister. Like P-I-B-P-I, like P-O-B-P-O, you be who you are. But let us come in agreement. The most important thing is that we are united around the purpose for which God has ordained this ministry. We are united around the vision that God has given this ministry. Let us do things differently, but in unity, in unison with the Spirit of God, with the plan and the agenda of God for this ministry. Paul is different from James. James is different from John. These people have different personalities, different skill talent, skill set rather, but they were all united around one vision. Unity is the strength of a vision. Hear this very clearly. Unity is the strength of a vision. Every vision, especially corporate vision, will be tested at unity level. Jesus' disciples were tested at that level. Peter denied Jesus Christ. Even after Jesus left, he still tested the strength of that mission they were on and he tested it through their unity. Unity is the strength of a marriage. Unity is the strength of a family. Unity is the strength of a nation. Unity is the strength of any organization. So, how strong are we as a church? It's not in the preaching that makes us strong. It's not in the worship that makes us strong. Those things have a role to play and they have a very important role to play. But what is the purpose? Of all of those things, if we are all disunited, everybody's going in different direction. Everybody has their own personal agenda within the church. Men and women were set apart for ministry on the day of Pentecost through the same through this same anointing. But it wasn't just because of the prayer and fasting in the upper room. It was the strength of their unity. To be in one accord means as a verb. Go well together. And as a noun, it means harmony of people's opinion, action, or character. Let me say that again. 
the word accord. The Bible says they were in the upper room with one accord. In one accord. The word accord as a verb means to go well together. Some of us, we only go well with those who are in our department in the church. Some of us, we only go well with our pastors. We love them. But when it comes to other members of the church, other members of the unit, we don't go well with them. As in now, it means harmony of people's opinions, actions, or character. It's not just the harmony of people. For there to be harmony in this ministry, for there to be harmony in our family, for there to be harmony in our team, this harmony has to work. Our opinions have to harmonize. We don't fight each other. We don't tear each other because we have differences in opinion. We must come together and have an opinion that this is what God is doing. This is the direction God is leading us to church. Don't forget, we're not talking about man's plan. We're talking about God's vision. That is what this whole camp meeting is all about. And I'm speaking to you on the garden, God's vision. So the church is not a man's idea. The fountain of life church is not man's idea. If it was man's idea long ago, the fountain of life church would have died. Let me speak straight and let me speak truthfully to you. When pastor, the blessed memory of our dear mother in the faith, Pastor Bimbo, when she passed on to glory, if it was man's idea, fountain of life would not exist today. But God always proves that the church is not about man's idea. It's not man's doesn't matter. As long as this is the direction God is leading us, yes sir. You can have opinions, not because God doesn't want us to have opinions in other matters of, of, of our lives, of our family. But when it comes to the way of God, it is truth. It is justice. You don't have an opinion about that. The ways of the Lord are set. God said is the truth is the life. His ways are righteousness. There's no opinion about righteousness. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't have opinion about that. I don't have opinion about that. So if we are going to, if we are going to undergird righteousness in the open nation, if we are going to undergird love in the open nation, it requires the strength of our unity that we all harmonize in our opinion that in this church, Love is our way. In this church, truth is our way. In this church, exuberant worship is our way because these things please the Lord. In this church, fervency of prayer is our way. Why? Because this is the way of the Lord. We don't have an opinion about it. That's what it means to be in accord. Harmony of opinions. Harmony of actions. The army that Joel prophesied, they were moving in one action, in one direction rather, in one direction. Their actions were of one of the same tenacity, an harmony of character, harmony of character, to be true to who we say we are. We can't come to church on Sunday, my dear. And be in alignment with the character of the church of the kingdom. And on Monday you go be something else. And you're in leadership. On Tuesday you go be something else. 
You can't be loving to everybody in church on Sunday. And then you are full of anger and bitterness and hatred on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And then you want this ministry to be strong in its core values, in its tenets of faith. It's impossible. It was out of unity that God separated Paul and Barnabas from ministry. But the moment there was a disagreement, nothing ever happened again. It was unity that God separated. Bible says that they were all in one accord again, worshipping and praising God. And the Spirit of the Lord said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Set them aside. You see what I'm saying? Separate me. It's the word aphorism, which is the same word, you know, where the oil that was on Aaron to set them apart for the work of ministry. Well, research it. Says separately. That word is the Greek word aphorism, which means to set apart, which is means to consecrate somebody specially for a special assignment. But look at what ended that disunity. This church is consecrated for a special God separated Pastor Minibi and Pastor Missy for a special assignment. And when God called every one of you to them, He's calling you to be in one accord. I'm not soliciting for them, I'm just teaching you the way of the kingdom. There is both organizational structure of the church. There's also a spiritual structure of the church. This is the spiritual structure of the church. And in most cases, this is where things are missing. And it affects every other thing that we do. There is nothing the devil fears more than Christians who are united. There's nothing he fears more than believers who are united. Marriages that are united. Families that are united, churches that are united, nations that are united. There's nothing he fears the most because there's strength in our unity. There's nothing. That's what happened in Genesis 11. The Bible says that the whole earth had one language, had one speech. They moved in one direction together. They decided to do the same thing. They said, let us Nobody, it was not one man's opinion, it was everybody. It was almost like when I read that scripture, it was it was almost almost impossible for you know what thousands of people to simultaneously their thoughts were so in tuned, so aligned that the words that came out, you know, it's like when husband and wife, you know what they call jigs, when husband and wife are saying so that I'm all of a sudden you and I just say hallelujah together, like oh really jinx, my kids do all of that stuff. So when the Bible said in Genesis, it wasn't one person's suggestion. Go and read it. It wasn't, you know what, one person that said, ah, maybe we should build a tower. And the other one says, you know what, do you think we should do it? Let me, let me check with, with Ken. Ken, do you think? And everybody came to confession. No, the Bible says the whole earth, they had one language, so it was almost like at the same time, this was not a chorus or echo that, oh, let us do, let us do, let us do, let us do, and it goes, no, no, everybody at one point in time, because they were thinking alike, they were feeling alike, therefore they chose alike, let us make for ourselves a Torah that will reach the top. That's why God, gee, God came to put this unity in their midst, because that, that project was not for God. Which means, if it was for God, unity would have been the strength to undergird that vision. But un this unity was what, was what made the vision weak and they no longer could build it. So if we are going to build this ministry, if we are going to see the will of God done in this church, unity must be at the core of this ministry. 
I came to speak to you as a church because of what is coming. P.O.P. and get ready. Oh yes, it's coming fast. But I pray in the name of Jesus, like Jesus prayed, that they will be one as you and I are one. He passed the test of unity. God the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And when he was living, he could only pray for them and say, Lord, just like you and I and the Holy Spirit, we made this thing because we stood together. The enemy tried to bring this unity between me and you and the Holy Spirit, but we stood our ground. We were a perfect team. We were one with each other. We were open with each other. We were truthful with each other. We fought for each other. We protected each other. We, was, we were there when each other when we were weak. But for them, I can only pray that they will be one with one another, just like you and I are one. Your pastors are one with each other. I've spent enough time to, with them to, to know they are one with each other. That's why you see the way they operate is because of oneness. It's because of the unity and strength. I have spent time with Pastor Nimude, the things he has said, the things he does for his wife. You know, I've spent time alone with what Pastor Nimude, the things they are both in sync with everything God is calling them to do. Why do you think God is blessing them? Why do you think God is using them the way you see them globally? They are, they are in one accord. They are in one accord. This one knows when, one knows when to step forward. The other knows when to step backward. Not because the one is better. The other one knows when to step forward. The other knows when to step backward. Not because one is better. That's what unity in the kingdom looks like. If you want to carry the grace on their life, the grace on this commission, you all must be united. You are not better than one another. Your positions may differ. Your positions may put you in decision making. Doesn't mean that you're better than the person that is what that is that is that you're supervising in the ministry. Don't worry, great word will come that will energize you and encourage you. But let me fulfill my apostolic responsibility as the Lord is, has led me and instructed me for this year's camp meeting, for this year's retreats, rather. This is crucial. As I wrap this up, how does the enemy succeed in bringing disunity to a church? Number one, offense. There will always be offense, but how you react or respond to offense is what is going to what God is looking at. There will always going to be offense. Do not take offense. Have a discussion. Have a discussion. Before the enemy takes advantage of offense and from offense, relationships are broken. Disunity is allowed in the house. Number two, disappointment. How does disappointment come? Unmet expectation, unrealistic expectation. Sometimes we set unrealistic expectation for ourselves. Sometimes even for our pastors. They are human like you. Sometimes it's the leader, you know, we're setting unrealistic expectation for the members. Remember, they are also not like you because for us as leaders, the more we climb in leadership, the more anointing that is available for us to do what we're doing that is not available for the person that is not in the leadership and spiritual position that we are. We must make, we must make room for one another. Space and grace must be given for one another so that disappointment and unrealistic expectation and unmet expectation doesn't become a reason why there will be disunity in our church. Number two, competitive spirit. Competitive spirit. 
Listen, you are not called to a church to want to impress your pastors and therefore you are in competition with your, with your, with your co-workers. You are there to harmonize. That's what it says to be one accord is to harmonize. It's not to be better. Harmony does not say, does not promote, you know, one person better than the other. If you have ever been or seen an orchestra on TV, you will realize that the instruments are of different shapes and sizes and sounds. But for you to enjoy what we call a symphony, there must be harmony with all the instruments, whether it's the small one or the big trombone or the harp or the or the or the snare. It doesn't matter the shape, the size of it. Uh, for you to enjoy a symphony, you know what? There must be harmony with all the instruments. That's why the Bible says we can't despise any part of the body because every joint supplies, every joint supplies. So let us get rid of this competitive spirit in this in the, in, the, in the kingdom today. Somebody does one thing in his church, the other person wants to do it better. Somebody does something in the department, the other department wants to do it better. Almost like we become, you know what, competitors with one another. We are not co-laborers anymore. We are competing laborers. Comparison mentality is stupidity. According to Paul, it is foolishness. To compare one another. That's why some of you have not been able to tap into the anointing of your church, of the man of God and the woman of God because you are comparing them to another church. Listen, there is a peculiar anointing on every ministry. And you must understand the anointing and the peculiarity of the anointing of your church so that you can unite with that and you can submit to that and you can serve into that and that anointing can benefit you. Stop comparing. That's where disunity comes in argument, pride, and arrogance. Those are the things that the enemy use. Those are the, those are the elements of disunity in the, in the body. Let's get rid of all of these things. My God. The law of synergism says that when the joint action of two or more agents are brought together, they increase each other's effectiveness. The law of synergy. This is what he states. That when the joint action of two or more agents are brought together, they increase each other's effectiveness. So, this unity is not in your favor. By every, by every standard. This unity is never in anybody's favor. Because like I always say, we are better, stronger and richer together. That's why we must acknowledge each other. So let me finish with this story because I don't think I can go through everything I have in my notes here. Let me finish with this. And it's the story of a bridge builder who built one of the biggest and strongest bridges in the world and claimed that nothing could bring down the bridge. He said... The bridge could withstand the weight of almost innumerable cars. But he exclaimed and said, the only thing that the designer, the only thing that could destroy this bridge is if a few hundred men walk across it marching in unison. No amount of cars can bring down this bridge. Yet, a few hundred men marching in unison can bring down this bridge. So he gave the warning that if any group 
ever have to march across that bridge, whether it be soldiers marching or a band playing, the marchers would have to stagger their steps or else the bridge will collapse. They would have to stagger their steps otherwise the bridge will collapse. You know why ministries collapse? Because the enemy causes us to stagger in our steps of unity. This is why Joel says that this end time army that will carry out this vision without fear, they would match information and they will not break ranks. This is what the builder said. They have to break ranks for that bridge not to fall. But if they march in unison, that bridge is coming down. If the church of today would march in unity, if the fountain of life church of nation would march in unity, we would bring down every barrier of the enemy. We would bring down every, every, every demonic, every satanic activity of the enemy in our city and our nation if we march in unity. But unfortunately, we allow ourselves to stagger. We break formation. We break formation. We are quick to get angry. We are quick to be resentful. And we allow the enemy come in and take advantage. But let me encourage you, church. What is coming is great. Are you ready? Karabakosa. Legrado suveliaka do supraka disekete paladushta. Mangla do zuvelekedia. Le ikrotuzo vende kitoria basoto bariande kedebala andi. Something great is coming. Something massive is coming to this house. It is going to come and it's going to impact on every sphere, every institution that is represented through your career, through your discipline, through your innovations, through your creativity.